Hey, if you're an actor at the start of your career, or if you're an actor who hasn't started at all, no judgment. But I do want you to know that it has never been a better time to get started with Backstage. Just go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code word envelope at checkout for a 30-day free trial. That's 30 whole days you can browse through thousands of casting notices from thousands of filmmakers, producers, casting directors, all looking for talent just like you. Make a profile, upload a headshot, find out what kind of projects you want to be a part of. Backstage is where you book that very first role. It's also where you book that second role, and then that third role, and then you keep booking roles all the way up until you win that Oscar. And then you can come join me here on In the Envelope. We love a full circle moment here at Backstage. But first, you gotta subscribe. And again, that's 30 days free if you use the code word envelope at checkout. E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E, envelope, 30 days free. Get those roles. And I'll see you back here when I interview you when you win an Oscar. And not wait. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. Broadway, off, off Broadway, a Broadway show that I go see. I am going into that theater desperate. I desperately want to be moved. I want to see something true. I want to see something dangerous. I want to see something new. I want to see something beautiful. I mean, it's it's what gives me the strength to go back out there into these mean streets. Welcome to another new episode of In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host backstage senior editor Vinny Mancuso and I am thrilled to say that joining us today is none other than Leslie Odom Jr. Now many of you probably first met Leslie in his Tony winning role as Aaron Burr in Hamilton a pretty popular musical uh, the most Tony nominated musical of all time ended up winning 11 of them in one year uh, second only to the producers not a bad place to be Uh, But that role launched Leslie to superstardom, and he's been carving out a place in film and TV ever since. But folks, he is back on stage on Broadway for the first time since Hamilton, taking the lead role of Pearly Victorious, a non-Confederate romp through the Cotton Patch. If you're unfamiliar, this is a play written, of course, by the legendary Ossie Davis, who also originated the title role back in 1961 of Pearly Victorious. A traveling preacher who returns home to Jim Crow era Georgia to save his small church. Uh, It is an incredible, biting satire uh, that has not had a major New York production for 61 years. But it's also a role that feels tailor-made for Leslie Odom Jr. And it was truly a pleasure just talking to him about all that went into not just this role specifically, which was a lot, but just everything about his long-awaited return to the Broadway stage. 
Uh, let's get right into it. Here is Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie, how's it going? Thank you so much for being here. It is an absolute pleasure to meet you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a, uh, a gray, rainy day in New York. That is okay. Because we are here to talk about Pearly Victorious um, and your return to Broadway. That's right. Ain't nothing rainy about that. Exactly. I um, So once we, I found out where I was doing this interview uh, last Friday, I, uh, I threw on uh, Gone Are the Days, uh, which is the, you know, the sort of the film version of Pearly Victorious, just to sort of get a, a sense of, you know, Ozzy Davis's performance and Ruby D and just sort of get the, the the history of the show and it's it's you know there's a lot about the show that's staggering but I think it's I think what surprised me the most is like you know the the how modern the dialogue is and how 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 funny it is and how and how those performances were all just so they're as powerful now as they are back then so I'm I'm curious you know you have said you have a lot of history with the show and you were you're a, a fan and an admirer of Ozzy Davis so when you start the process of of doing the work for this show where do you start do you start with the history of it or do you start with the work um or is that sort of mm. intertwined oh yeah for me i start with the words uh, the words again and again in theater the writing is king and there was no better example i had an object lesson with hamilton certainly you know the best that was the best modern writing, you know, best original text that I'd ever been given. And I've been lucky enough, thank goodness, since Hamilton, those of us that were lucky enough to be a part of that original company, we've all gone to do all these wonderful things, you know, TV and film and music. And uh, in the, in those other mediums, writing isn't always the, the top of the, oh, yeah. uh, the list <laughs> of priorities. Uh, but in theater... If you don't have the writing, you got nothing. So that's where I start. And these words from Mr. Davis are as good as I've ever been given. I I think that's what I, I another thing I found so interesting is, you know, a lot has been, you know, there's a there's Pearly the musical, but this is not that this is the play. And so I was, you know, I was very curious to see, you know, the, the sort of difference. But there is a musicality to to the play itself. There right. is a there is a there's a, a real just like and especially because, you know, the, the, the me character is a is a preacher. So there's a lot right. of that, you know, the musicality to the words. So I, I am I'm curious how you navigate that. You know, this is not a musical, but there's a musical soul to, soul to it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, got all this fantastic training in conservatory. Um, to hopefully be an actor who sings, you know, when I'm doing movies and stuff out in LA, it's it's very rare actually that I'm a part of a, a movie in which I have songs as well. So um, I'm used to it, but this is the first professional play that I've done on Broadway. Um, this is, it's also remarkably the first time I've ever spoken the words of written by a black author on a stage, you know, which is which is also a really uh, interesting experience and, you know, cool, all those things, because there's no as a as a black performer, I spend quite a bit of my time translating. You know, there's there's usually a fair amount of my process that is about either talking to a writer to say, mm, here's the changes I think we should make. Here's how this, you know, how I think it would maybe sit better 
now that you cast me, you know, and I'm, maybe I'm not exactly what you imagined when you wrote it, or or if they won't change it, you know, doing that science and math mm-hmm. <laughs> problem in my head, you know, yes. to figure out, well, how do I make this make sense on, on me? So this with this text, you know, there, there is something though that really powerful that, that's, that happens when something is written in your tongue, when something is written in your in your native tongue, so so there's that, um, but yeah, I, I, I you speak of the musicality of the text, and I, I find the same thing. I find that you know I, I'm I'm not missing um, that sort of dun 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 you know that sort of missing the fact that I that I don't have some big I don't know dance number in the middle of Act Two. I get my fair share of music in this play. You're right. And so when you when you say that you start with the words, I'm curious about like the literal process for you because uh, again, I I find I find Broadway fascinating. I find the preparation for it, the what you pull off, not only once but again and again and again. So yeah. when you when you sit down with this text, if not for the first time, then the first time where you're like, I'm going to be doing this role. What do you do? <laughs> what is what what is uh, what is the first yeah. step there? I think I mean the first reason. Some of it at this at this point now, you know, I'm two two decades in, so yeah. some some of it is a little subconscious, a little second nature. But I think the first thing I'm looking for, or the, probably the first two or three reads, it's like, um, what are the parts? What's the low hanging fruit? What what is the what are the things that I understand right away? How am I how am I just like this guy? There's, there's going to be plenty of ways that I'm not like him or them. Or it, uh, but what are the what are the things we have in common? I start there, and that um, then they kind of become a friend to me, and then over time I can start to reach for and understand the things that are a little farther from me, the things that I, that we don't share, and then it's um that that text work process that I learned all those years ago. You know, you're looking for patterns in the writing, you're looking for you know, consonants and vowels, what those things tell you, it, you know, it might not be obvious to an audience when they hear it, but there's times when Ozzy, when Mr. Davis writes in verse, and then there's times when he's not. And so what am I learning there? And his punctuation is going to tell me something and um, what the other characters are saying about me, you know, identifying all those things, you know, your your, your script ends up kind of looking like, I don't know, a a second graders notebook you know it's it's yeah. got all the, it's it's got different highlighting it's got things circled things underlined and, and, little, it, and it might only make sense to you that's right things written in the margins and um it only needs to make sense to you you know mm-hmm. and so that that's the the process that is really you know working with that thing like a handbook like a workbook so that it can get so far deep down within you so that it, you know, really just becomes, you become one with those words, you know, and and then you let it fly at the Music Box Theater eight shows a week. I love that. I tried really, I really wanted to find a, a version of this script just to read it because I, I had never read it. And it's, it's very hard, it's very hard to find. Hard to I, find. But I, again, I, I kept coming back to the, just the words, you know, it was just, yeah. it was, it's just such a, um, Every part is just sort of uh, it's the music of it. I was I was very, I had never yeah. I had never seen the play. I'd seen excerpts from it. I think I, I saw you know Avery Brooks do. There's a very great clip sure. of Avery Brooks doing it. It's it's so I I, have, I hadn't seen it in full. But anytime I see like a sort of excerpt like that Avery Brooks clip, it's it's the it feels like a musical. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just so strange. Yeah. 
which is probably why somebody thought to musicalize it. You know, that's the when I when I tell people that I'm doing Pearly Victorious, the musical really is the is the thing that that's in people's heads the most. That that one, you know, introduced us, introduced the world to uh, Tony Award winning Melba Moore, and we had um, you know this 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 fantastic. I mean, music did that thing that it can do, you know, and it and it kind of overshadowed everything else. And and uh, it's what people remember the most about this piece. But what a wonderful time this feels. I feel grateful every single day to be a part of this revival company that we get to remind everybody what inspired that, that this original, this fantastic, potent, prescient, precious original source material that Ozzie Davis's three children, they make up his estate now, his, his three children remember so fondly hearing their dad into the wee hours typing. You know, they remember the sound of that typewriter while they were trying to sleep. Um, so it's it's been um, really important for them too, for, for their father's words to be spoken on a Broadway stage again. It hasn't happened since 1962. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just over 60 years um, yeah. Since the, I, I'm curious, you know, in the years that bef- way before you you got this role, I'm, I'm I, I have you read you you've seen or read this this play before and and are yes. really familiar with it. So I'm curious what the difference is for you in reading it, loving it, and then reading it as someone who's going to be in it. What is the, what the difference is there for you? They're vast. I mean, you know, one <laughs> one is you know one is a spectator, you know, mm-hmm. witness to it. You're a an admirer, a fan. You know, like there's that distance, um, and then inhabiting it is altogether different. And so I found a new love for it. Certainly, you know, I I know it better than I ever have. That's for sure. That was like the first the first bit of anxiety was just like I so desperately wanted to know it. Like yeah. for you know, I spent the I don't even want to say how long because it was quite. It was <laughs> you can say how long. long. <laughs> well, it was quite a long time, but I, I was I was afforded the opportunity of a process because we were going to maybe come in last season. Um, we had a theater and, and it was you know it was all a go and then schedules you know just didn't work out so we we let it go and when something like that happens, you you don't know if it's ever going to come together again. You know you kind of. You, you have faith and you hope, but um, I kept working on it with the hope and the faith that it would come back around. So thank God for that. Because so yeah, that was my, my first bit of anxiety was just like, just, I gotta learn this thing. I gotta get it in my brain. So when we stood, this, we stood it all up for the first time, uh, the company did the whole thing top to bottom for the first time last week, last Wednesday was our first time of doing that. And it was just such an accomplishment. There, of course, there's funny and and delightful work happening in the room. But what I and and that's just going to deepen and get better as as we continue on our way. But man, was like, I was so happy to know the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the fact that we knew it, you know, such an accomplishment. Well, I I am curious about that because I I think first previews are you know. A week from now, about ten days from now, yeah. and so the, you're you are at that sort of right before you get into previews, and then there's the another stretch, which is the show. So where where do you like to be yeah. right now, and how like what what is do your goals change? You know, like is it like you said, I want to know it, and then it's I want to know it plus this, 
and then it's I want to know it plus this and this. So like, does that change depending on where you are in the schedule? Oh yeah, I mean, Kim, we we're led by the incomparable Kenny Leon. You know, he's at our helm. Uh, and he sets our pace. You know, he he sets the goals from week to week. This is my first time being in the room with him for an extended process. And so um, I just, I love the way he runs a room and I love the way he's laid out this this process for us. Um, so yeah, la, la, Kenny calls last week. Oh, last week was a whole, yeah, it was like the first week was the why, we had the why week and then we had the how week. And then we had the really interesting. where week and then we had the whole, you know, so last week was our, the week when we do, we were dealing with the whole of the play. And so I think that this week is, this week coming up, I, I know for me, yeah, I just want to deepen there now, now knowing the whole piece, I can see places. There's a couple of holes for myself where I'm like, ah, that's a place where I need to now emotionally deepen um, this because there's some scary parts. You know, Mr. Davis famously said he sat down to write a piece about his childhood growing up in rural Georgia, um, segregated South. And he realized it was too painful to ask an audience to sit through. And so the whole, the piece, the way it's constructed is an act of generosity. He so desperately wants an American audience to meet these people that he grew up with to bring us to that farm. But he also wants you to be able to sit through it. <laughs> he wants you to be able to endure it, um, which I think is, you know, so moved by that. And but to that end, there there is um, a, a pain underneath the proceedings, a reality underneath the, the, the proceedings that, you know, those are scary places. Those those are scary doors to to unlock, to open. Uh, I've opened some of them. And what I realized in the in this we've had two days off. This is our second day off before the final couple days in the room before we move into the theater. And yet what I, what I have been alerted to is like, yeah, it's time to open those doors too. Well, as, as a performer, you know, that's, that's something that is also very interesting is that sort of, especially with a show like this, like you said, there is those two modes that operate kind of at the same time where there is the, the, the pain that is put into the writing and the pain that, that could only come from somebody who understands it, but it's also, there's there, there's a romp in the title and it is it, yeah. is, it is it is it is a romp and it's those two things at the same time so as the the lead performer as an actor dealing with that are you is there a point where you come cognizant of balancing that or is that just all put into the work is that is that all part of preparation and then you hope that in releasing it you are in those two modes at the same time or is that something you're you're, you're trying to do i really love i really love i don't think it's a good book to start your acting training on, but I really, I found a great release and a great freedom in David Mamet's True and False, mm -hmm. which I read right before. It's it's kind of um, tied to Hamilton for me. You know, I, I read it right when I was prepping in one of the workshops for Hamilton. I read True and False. And so like I, I carried, carried it around as a Bible almost, you know, and, and Mamet's, um, idea for the actor is that your only job as an actor is to say the lines loud enough for an audience to hear them. That's all he wants you to do. That's number one. And number two, <laughs> I was just trying to absorb that. And number two, he says, 
Now, if you feel something, if my if my words stir something in you, anything in you, don't block that. Mm-hmm. Don't stop that. Allow that to come through. But if you feel nothing, do nothing. So I just it, it was um that is a lot easier to do when you're working on a masterpiece like Hamilton, you know. So I I really was able to I had I had 500 shows to practice that idea. It was it was a new idea for me and it was kind of radical and but Lynn's piece was radical and so I I practiced that. I I didn't impose anything of myself onto the onto his work. I I tried desperately not to. I really wanted any any movement you saw any emotion that you saw. I wanted it was it was how it was what the what Lynn's work inspired in me to do, and so anyway, I found a great freedom in that way of working, and I've carried that with me, and I can certainly apply that to to Mr. Davis's work. I'm it, it, the the romp is not only in the title; it's in moment to moment. It's scene to scene, line by line. And so we give over to the romp when it's time to romp. And then when Mr. Davis changes our direction and changes the course of the piece, we go with him there too. So it is, um, you really make yourself available. You allow yourself to be a vessel when you work in that way for the wor- for the, for the words and ideas of a great writer. I've heard a lot of you know great writers speaking about how they, they juggle tones like that or they juggle the real with the and i think it's kind of exactly what you just said is that you don't think about it in the moment when you when you feel this you go this way when you feel this you go that way and that's 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 the only way to do it because if you're thinking about doing both or if you're thinking about the right time to do either one they're both going to come off as false right and and then it becomes about manipulation and what you know what we're trying to do is to experience something you know my my I come into every single I'm a because I'm I'm an avid theater goer. Mm-hmm. You know, every ticket I buy to every off Broadway, off off Broadway, or Broadway show that I go see, I am going into that theater desperate. I I, I am. I desperately want to be moved. I want to see something true. I want to see something dangerous. I want to see something new. I want to see something bold. I want to see something beautiful. I mean, it's 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 what gives me the strength to go back out there into the into these mean streets, you know. And so um, I come in thirsty. I come in hungry, starving. And so it's why it's so disappointing. I won't mention any names, but it's why it's so disappointing when. When we fall down on the job, when we when we don't take our responsibility as seriously as we ought to. And so, yeah, I, I desperately want to um, be a part of making the kind of theater that I want to see. I want to be a part of making the theater that has been most valuable and useful to me. And what that has been is when it has been dangerous and exciting and and present when something is happening in front of me and it feels like it's happening for the very first time and there's a, and there's an urgency to that and there's a, a a passion in what they're doing and yeah so so that's what we're trying to do we're, we're just trying to make the kind of theater that we love I, I think that is sort of the singular magic of theater is that you do have the opportunity to see something that didn't happen last night 
and won't happen the next night. You, you, you have the opportunity to see something that is just going to happen, whether it's accidental or it's something that, that, that a choice that actor is making that they're not going to make again. Like you, you can get the version of the show that nobody else is going to see. Um, so I guess just to, just to pick back up a lot, you know, we, you even mentioned it before and, and it's, you know, this is obviously going to be part of the conversation is the fact that this is your first time back on Broadway since Hamilton. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of it that's new, you know, it's, it's, there's by the nature of the show, by the fact that it's a play. So I, I'm curious as you return to Broadway, what has felt not the same, but what has surprised you the most about coming back to the stage? Well, there's a profound sense of gratitude. I mean, my mentor talks about taking the inward journey. And uh, what I think he means by that, you know, is um, investigation, self-improvement. This is what I'll say. I mean, we had something taken away from us that we never imagined. Whatever, you know, Broadway theater was dark longer than it's ever been since it's inception, you know? And those of us that I think, you know, when you t to take the inward journey for real, you know, when they shut down the theater for what they thought would be two weeks, at the most six weeks, and six weeks turns into six months, turns into a year. I mean, you know, eventually you have to ask yourself, are we ever gonna be back in a theater, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and of course I had some some, brilliant friends of mine and creatives that found new ways to make theater and exciting things online. But man, did, did I miss being in the holy space? Mm -hmm. you know, man, did I miss that? So um, to, to return to it in the year 2AC, you know, this is only the second season after that shutdown, after that historic shutdown. It's the second Broadway season after COVID. So um, when so much of the audience, you know, you can you can still feel it in the theater. You can feel it's tragic. We lost so much of the audience, you know, to to death, to and then not as seriously the other thing, but you know, people moved away and Different things occupy their life and their time now. So anyway, so the theater is fighting for its life, um, maybe in a way that it never has before. I mean, as a, as a community, certainly show to show. Listen, I've been a part of a few bombs uh, <laughs> that have fought for their lives. But I mean, theater as a whole really is fighting for its place in on the American stage, you know, for its usefulness and its value to us. So it does feel different, but, but it, it feels as necessary as ever before to me. And it feels as valuable. And so this company is going to fight the good fight. You know, I think we have, we couldn't have a better, we literally couldn't have a better text. We couldn't have better themes. You know, we've got the joy of the romp to, to, present this message. Um, yeah, I think we are, we're going to have our work cut out for us, but um, I think we're set up to um, follow through with our intention. Absolutely. I do. I do remember very well the, the, the uncertainty of that time and, you know, what, what, whether, whether Broadway, not that whether would Broadway would come back, but what it would be like on the other side. And I think that right. we're still kind of 
still kind of figuring that out. So I, I do, I do applaud any, any, any show that's, that's sort of reaching to be that thing that brings people back to the theater and, and makes them not just brings them back to the theater because, you know, that's the goal of every show, but it's just sort of remind them what is special about theater in the first place. I wanted to ask about a, a specific moment in the show, a specific part of the show. And it's that sort of, um, you know, it's towards the tail end and there's that, the, the, not quite a monologue. It's more of a sermon, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's probably breaking down his, the confrontation with old cap that, that didn't quite happen like that. And he's talking about how, you know, he, he, he takes the bullwhip from, which isn't how it happened. And it has all these tempo changes and these beat changes. And it's just, it's just a encapsulation of what makes the show special. So I'm curious as an actor, you know, you see a, a, a chunk like that, a, a break, a, a show stopping sort of display of what you can do. How do you break that down into, like you've said it, it already, understanding it, embodying it, and then releasing it to the audience, uh, as Mavid said? Yeah. My favorite thing about, uh, you know, it was really um, working on One Night in Miami that mm-hmm. taught me, because um, that was probably the most text, and that that started as a play. Kent Powers's beautiful script started as a play. And we had those long passages. And um, I really understood, I think maybe for the first time, oh, a monologue is never a monologue. The only reason why you keep talking is because of what you're getting from your scene partner or what you're not getting. Um, so it's it's a, it's still a scene. You know, that, that person, that person for all they intend to do when they start talking, they they intend to say two sentences, three sentences, and then, but, but then something, and then they need to say something else. And that makes them think of something else, you know? So it's, it is, uh, when you, when I first look at the amount of text, it can be daunting, but then, you know, just that reminder that it's a, it's a dialogue is helpful because then you then you're in conversation with somebody you're always getting something from your scene partner that spurs you on because the truth is pearly in that scene um, without giving anything away i mean pearly is being pushed he's being he's being led <laughs> you know as much as he is driving it he is, you know, they, they, they're creating that moment together. And so in the room, it's been really just a really memorable thing, you know, creating that with Billy and Heather and, and Kara, Kara Young. Yeah. It's something that I'll, I'll really cherish about this experience because I, I needed help. <laughs> to believe me. It is, it is a daunting passage, but I, yeah. I, again, it's one of those things where you, it does sort of, encapsulate the character and it, the whole it's 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 just a and again i don't want to give away because it is towards yeah. the end of the play but it's it, there's there's it's just an extended master class of you know like we've said tension changes beat changes shifts yeah. um up down it's just it's wonderful and i i i, I, I i'm mm. very curious to see how you specifically tackle it i can't wait i can't wait for you to for you to come come through we'll create Absolutely. it together because the audience is part of it too you know we've Absolutely. had we've had a couple of um invited audiences into the rehearsal room because quite surprisingly we're ready for them but but also we need them you know in this in this final week of 
of rehearsal, Kenny said he's never he's never invited people in this early, but we've done four of them now. Where we've done the show top to bottom, and we've had um, 15, 20 people in the room each time to show them. And yeah, they 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 certainly change the the way the show you know goes from night to night too. Amazing. So I I, I think you've mentioned it talking about this show a few times, but you know you you made your your Broadway debut at 17 in in Rent, you know, sort of taking over a, a character that has been played a few yeah. times. And now you are doing that again, you know, all these years later, taking over this character. And I'm just curious when you think about, <laughs> this is a, a big subject, but all that has happened in between. Um, how are you the same actor, you know, that you were mm. at 17? Mm. And in what ways would you say that you are the most different? as an actor. Oh, wow. What a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Thank you. I appreciate that. I had this experience, kind of my third or fourth night on Broadway, this revelation. Um, I half expected, I think, that when I was, when I was on Broadway, when I became a Broadway performer, when I got invited to join the company, and uh, that somehow magic dust would get sprinkled over me as I went into the stage door and I would then be a Broadway actor, you know, once, cause once you walk through that stage door, now you're different. And I had the, the realization, the revelation in one of those early performances that, oh my God, I'm doing the exact same thing that I did in the church basements, that I did on my high school stage, that I did in my mom's living room, there's absolutely nothing different. I'm not doing anything different. And I, and anyway, the, so that must mean that Broadway was with me before Broadway. And bro I take Broadway with me everywhere I go. That Broadway is not a, these theaters are, they're historic and they're wonderful. And I love that, you know, I love learning about the history and who had the dressing room and who else has been on the stage. But, there's no difference, you know, th that's the integrity that we have as performers. There's no difference if I, you know, if if the cast showed up here right now and we had five or six people in this living room and we were going to do Pearly Victorious, I would give you the same performance that I'm going to give you at the music box. That's our integrity as performers. And so that was a really, that's how I'm the same. I'm that same 17-year-old kid. Um, and uh, Broadway, is, it's always been with me. And... Um, I think that the ways that I'm different, I certainly hope that I'm more mature, that I'm more collaborative. I mean, this is the, the first time that I've ever been leading a company uh, outright. Certainly the first time that I'm producing as well alongside my, my wife, Nicolette. So yeah, big responsibility that we're excited to take on, that we, you know, we've taken on with, with gusto and with and with passion and all the love in our hearts. So I certainly hope that um I, I began as a as a as a young man. And uh yeah, I'm I'm returning, I think, as a man. <laughs> Maybe somebody would call me young. Somebody much older would call me young, but I yeah, it's it's been a lot of years. I love that. Um, so as before we wrap up here, I did want to ask if you could uh, answer something we call the backstage five, which is a sure. uh, just a series of questions uh, and whatever pops into mind first uh, would be great. Uh, okay. Question number one is what performance 
particularly theater performance, should every actor see and why? Mm. Well, theater performances are hard, right? Because like it's mean, they, they can't all see them, you know, like they're done. But I remember, you know what? Ha, there is one. I, re I remember the first, I remember seeing Anna Devere Smith on stage. I think it was that second stage and she did Let Me Down Easy. And I wanted to run out of that theater and drag people from the street. I, you know, I wanted everybody to get inside that theater and sit down and listen to what this woman has to tell you about life and death and humanity and what this all means. Like, this is it. And the good thing about Let Me Down Easy is that Miss Miss Smith shot that for HBO. So everybody can watch that. And not the same experience as seeing it in the theater, but it's it's beautifully preserved. So Anna Devere Smith, Let Me Down Easy. I love that. Uh, question number two, do you have a go-to audition monologue or a monologue that you think is particularly good for auditions? Um, I have not had to use an audition monologue in a long time, but my, what did I used to use? Oh man. I mean, Pearly, Pearly Victorious has got a, has got a few. There's the, the section you and I were talking about that's sort of, um, you know, anybody will see it, you know, as you probably like um two-thirds of the way through the play there's this big nice chunk and then there's the his final speech which jeffrey richards our producer says is um maybe the finest final speech ever written for the theater and he would know that's not me saying it or ozzy that's that's mr richards saying that um that final speech you know also encompasses quite a bit so yeah pearly victorious is a good one that's that, that final speech is the first I've ever seen of. That's the what I saw Avery Brooks sort of. Uh, he he did that, and I was like, oh well, I got to find what that's. <laughs> I did find that right. Funny. Absolutely. Um, question number three: With all the roles that you've played over your career, um, which one shaped you most, as particularly as an actor? Aaron Burr. Yeah. Aaron Burr. <laughs> yeah. That makes it's, sense. It, Lynn Lynn showed us all the beginnings, anyway, of what we were capable of. We had no idea. No one had ever. No one had ever asked us to fly before. I wasn't the only one that had that experience. I mean, people maybe had asked us to run fast or speed walk. <laughs> you know, nobody ever that ever asked us. Put that book down. You know, stand on top of that table. Now fly. And we all kind of looked around and, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and we and we tried it and we and we did. So, yeah, um, and we did and I did it 500 times, you know, so I, you, we walked away with um, the confidence that if, if given the opportunity, if given the resources, we're capable of great things. Um, and that's a wonderful thing to know as an actor, you know, that we're in the middle of a strike. And part of, you know, part of that, part of one of the reasons why you go on strike is because there's somebody somewhere that doesn't want you to believe you're capable of great things. They don't want you to believe that you are as valuable as you believe you are. And so when you have an experience like the 20 some odd of us had in Hamilton, you never have to question that again. Mm -hmm. I love that. Question number four, what did the best theater directors you've worked with have in common? Mm, what a great question. That's why we put it in the backstage file. Yeah. Oh, 
the best theater directors got to know me, got to know me and each one of us. And we're not just understood that we were all individuals and we all had a different process. And some actors, one sentence is enough. One word is enough for somebody. Somebody you say, plaid. And they go, oh, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? And some people you need to take them out to dinner and have a whole conversation and maybe find out about where they, you know, what, where they come from, what is their process, what do, might they understand? So that I think that, yeah, the best, the best directors kind of were, it wasn't about us coming to them and how they like to work and we all kind of conform to their specificity. They get to know each one of us and um, are malleable in that way and kind of shapeshift based off of what we need. Mm -hmm. I love that as well. And final question, what is one mistake you've made in your career that you promised you would never make again? Mm, talking more than I listen. I love that. Um, Leslie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is a pleasure. I, I, again, I'm, I'm so excited to see what you do with this play. Um, I think it is, a uh, almost custom made for, for you as a performer. So I, I, I cannot wait. And I can, thank you so much for talking to us about it. Uh, hopefully Vinny, thank it. you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Great job. Great questions, man. Thanks again. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at InTheEnvelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.